Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. And now, a dramatic reading. Are you looking for somebody? I was looking for you, actually. Why? Am I in trouble or something? Because if I am, I didn't do it. (laughs) You're not in trouble. I am. I am years late, and you should have been taught, prepared, but I wasn't certain until just now that it was you. What are you talking about? I am saying I have been searching everywhere for you, Andrew. Why? To bring you your birthright. My birthright? Is that like a trust fund or something? I think it will be easier for you to understand this birthright if I show it to you. So come with me now, to the graveyard. Uh, no, 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 no. My, my trust fund's in the graveyard? God, what's your damage? Andrew? You're one of those skanky old men that, like, attacks little girls and stuff, right? Well, forget you. No, my name is Maddie, and you have been chosen, Andrew. Chosen? To, to go to the graveyard? Why don't you just, like, take first runner-up, okay? Everything depends on you, Andrew. Now, you must come with me now to the graveyard while there's still time. Time to do what? Time to stop the killing. Stop the vampires. It's episode 65, Monsters Are Terrifying, Vampire Edition. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message. To save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the pie, we honor thee from life to death. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? Justice! do we want it? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes that is better. The legend of the vampire actually goes back for centuries, and it exists in some form or another in almost every culture. In fact, some people believe the first vampire story was in the Bible. But for most of us, we imagine vampires lurking in the woods, preying on small towns and villages in those hours between dusk and sunrise. Why did people believe they had so much power, and did they really exist? Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, the best podcast in the entire world, the greatest podcast that has ever been created. Um, No, we're actually not that. We're a really good podcast, but welcome back to Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. Happy to be with you again for our 65th episode. This is Maddie. And I am Andrew. And uh, this is going to be a really great one. We are back with another edition of our Monsters Are Terrifying series, Vampire Edition. So this is going to be a fun one. Um, We're going to hit on some classic vampire shit. We're going to talk about two really great films. The first, Dracula from 1931 uh, of Universal Pictures fame. The thing that sort of started it all. Um, really incredible movie. And then we're also going to talk about a, a much newer film called Boys from County Hell, um, which is a very different take on the Dracula story and on vampires in general. So that's going to be a lot of fun, too. Um, Andrew, before we begin, how are you? What's going on? Doing good. We survived the Halloween time. <laughs> yeah, right? 
we didn't do anything, but that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, no, it just kind of been, you know, in it. Uh, as always, October is a very busy month for not only spooky people like us, but also for the podcast and everything. So I think oh, yeah. taking a week or two off for the Halloween time was probably needed. So apologies yeah. for being about a week late. But you know what? We, it's our podcast. We can do what we want. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're all going to be okay out there. You know what? If you haven't taken a break out there, dear listener, lately, maybe you should do that. And Andrew, maybe I should take my own advice and take a break. Do you think I should do that? I think you should. I've I've been following your your busy busy Instagram schedule. Yeah, <laughs> and girl, it looks tiring. It is. So I'll, I'll just you know, just to give my little how I am right now. Um, I have I have been crazy. It's all good crazy. Don't get me wrong. But like, I I I was in. Um, I flew back uh, to the states for like a day and a half to see my family, and then immediately flew down to Mexico for a work trip. And then flew back to America on my connection and then flew over to London on another connection and then flew to fucking Dublin from there. And then I got home, had a day off. And then one of my best friends in the world, Elizabeth, came to visit the day after. (laughs) And so I have been just sort of non-fucking-stop. It was wonderful, though. It was wonderful to have a visitor here. She was my first visitor from the States. Um, we had Halloween together here. We hung out with some of my friends, took her around Dublin. We had a really great time. It looked fun. Um, it, it, it was wonderful. And the weather was, luckily for her, it was fucking fantastic here in Ireland. So it was really, yeah, really good. I, I got to say, this fall, I mean, we had some rainy weather earlier yeah. on in October, but this fall has been beautiful. It's like, not bad, right? Today, it's like 60-something here in Chicago, and wow. it is so nice. That's <laughs> so. amazing. You know, it was it was really sunny here. Um, but I looking back at it, I think that you guys have gotten more rain than we have, which I did not expect moving here. Yeah, it's been that. super rainy this this year, but um it's kind of it's kind of sta- like stabilized, if you will. Yeah, sure, so that's sure, sure. uh weather with Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> yeah, that's our that's our <laughs> you know, listen, we are we're we are two gentlemen that are clearly growing older, aren't we? <laughs> um anyways, we hope you had a really great Halloween. Uh hope you also enjoyed our Halloween episode, which was a lot of fun to produce. Now, on to this episode. Uh first thing we're doing really quickly here is our certified terry ter- ter- I, I can't say this anymore. Certified terrifying corner. It is kind of hard to say. Um, Andrew, I have three items for you. Do you want the first one? Are you ready for it? Sure. Bring it on. The first one's really fun. Oh, and listen, I, uh, I don't wish COVID on anybody, but Christy Swanson, you may know her as the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer, has COVID. Now, I'm not gloating about this because I don't, I don't gloat about anybody having any sort of illness or disease, number one, right? Um, but I do just want to say that Christy Swanson has been anti-vax. She has been anti-mask, um, and she's kind of been a conservative nut job for years, as all of you know. So I don't know what else to say. If you mess with the bull, sometimes you get the horns. Yeah, it's a it's a unfortunate, but um, at this point, uh, did you not see it coming? I don't know. It's yeah, one of those things. I don't it's kind of crazy. Also, if you haven't gotten your booster yet, just find a way and get the fucking booster. Also, it's super easy. It's, it's so easy. easy. Like like Andrew actually helped me get mine. You just go on to Walgreens.com and fucking do it. It was great. I actually did that on my trip <laughs> to fucking Mexico. <laughs> so in the, the in the spirit of vacation, he got another shot. So. Yeah, you know, right there it is. 
Uh, okay. Also, moving on, um, uh, we'll do a little sandwich here. We'll do fun, crazy fun. Um, so the crazy part here is in, uh, in America, Democrats just passed the infrastructure bill. It's about $1.25 trillion. It's down from what the original uh, cost was, which was like $6.5 trillion. Um, it's a largely gutted of all the shit that actually made it good. Um, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, who I have bitched about before, are the reason why this happened. It's absolute horseshit. Um, and you know, I don't know what to say, America. You know, it's a lot of fun not being in you anymore because I don't have to deal with this kind of shit. Um, but I feel bad for those of you left behind. I, I don't know. Like, if if you if you want some centrist, moderate garbage, this is what you get. You get a shitty bill. Yeah, I think the one thing that I saw that kind of resonated with me because I, I don't know the ins and outs of yeah. everything about this bill, but the one thing that I did see that. Um, uh, it was basically nobody in the GOP voted for uh, like kids, basically. Yeah. And that's coming from the quote unquote party of parents. Yeah. So that's just to tell you what they're, what you know, what they're really uh, all about. So. Yep. Family values, right? Um, right. <laughs> and then finally, weird Chris Pratt. He just keeps getting weirder. Chris Pratt uh, just reported something into a deep depression. Also not gloating about that. Um, but after fallout from his ridiculous Instagram post last week, did you see that Instagram post? I did because I am, you know, hashtag team Anavaris all the Ugh. way. Uh, I don't know why Chris Pratt doubles down on these type of things. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. He, I mean, he has all the fame in the world and he is just driving it into the ground. And I don't understand what he is. Dude, he's Looney Tunes. Like, what, I know. Like, what is actually wrong with him? And like, I mean, you know, I, I don't really follow Anna Ferris, but I know that you do. Has she ever talked about it at all? Like, has she ever said, like, this is weird? Yeah, she's talked about it on her podcast. She has a podcast called Unqualified with Anna Ferris. And if you care to take a listen to that, it's 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 okay. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I, sure. I like some episodes and I don't like some episodes. It's basically her giving a relationship advice, um, yeah, yeah, which yeah. Eh, whatever. Um, I I just think she's a really funny actress, and I've always yeah, sure. followed her career. And um, she has talked about it not extensively. Obviously, she doesn't want to you know throw anybody yeah, under the bus yeah. because honestly, she's a good person. Well, and, and they, and they <laughs> they do have a child together too so you know exactly no matter what happens they've got they've got the kid but um yeah it's just a weird situation and you know um their child together had some health issues early on in yeah, life right, and right, right. now he's saying that his new wife gave him a healthy daughter which that's oh. what everyone's up in arms about and you know it this is just goes to show you like be careful of what you say and be careful with your words. You know, I'm sure that we've all said stuff that we regret at some yeah. point, but all you have to do is apologize for it. That's all you got to yeah. do. Take ownership and apologize. Well, That's- you know, it, 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 like not to like go too deep into this because now, now we're on this, this, this segment of the episode. Um, but like also to like watch, be careful what you get yourself involved in. He's yeah. gotten himself involved in this crazy evangelical Christianity where they believe in magic. Do you know what I mean? Like they believe like God will maybe grant you a thing with a magic wand or maybe he won't. And in the case of Chris Pratt, I can guarantee you, he believes that God gave them a healthy child on purpose as opposed to his other child that there's something wrong with. And that is just, that is a fucked up worldview, but that's, that's Chris Pratt for you. And that's going to wrap up our certified terrifying corner. Now, Andrew, what the fuck are we doing next? 
<laughs> well, we are diving into our recurring segment of monsters. Uh, we've done, let's see here, werewolves and cryptids so far. Uh-huh. Uh, and now we are attacking the one and only vampires, kind of the, yeah. the OG of the monsters, if you will. Yeah. Um, so Maddie, I think that you have a little bit of history around yeah. some of our vampiric council. So why don't yeah. you give us a little bit of history and then we'll do a little bit of real life vampire stuff. That sounds good. Um, you know, vampires have been around for a very long time, or at least the, the idea of vampires, um, you know, a, a being that either, uh, sucks blood out of a, out of another human being. Um, or um, a being that sucks energy out of another human being in one way or another. So they, they've been sort of scattered throughout history since history was recorded. Um, and it's interesting to think about the various origins of them because, you know, like the the legend of Dracula, this was that wasn't like the first vampire. Right, um, right, right. And actually, I've got a really interesting little tidbit that that connects to one of the films that actually it connects to both of the films that we're talking about. Um, so I'll, I'll include that in here, too. So first off, uh, where I got the information here is from the Encyclopedia of Monsters Wiki, which, if you haven't been to it before, is pretty damn good. And it, it's Man, literally a consultant. We should have been yeah. consulting that thing for a while now. <laughs> right. It's literally just what it sounds like. It is all about monsters, um, and it's in a wiki format. Um, so first, looking at Mesopotamia, so thinking about sort of the Middle East and the, and, and the Levant area, uh, Mesopotamia was an area rampant with superstition of blood-drinking demons. The Persians were one of the first civilizations thought to have tales of blood-drinking demons. Uh, creatures attempting to drink blood from men were depicted on excavation pottery shards huh. uh, in ancient babylonia or just ancient babylon they had tales of the mythical lily too synonymous with and giving rise to lilith of hebrew legend uh, and her daughters the lilu from hebrew demonology lilith was considered a demon and was often depicted as subsisting on the blood of babies huh. however the jewish counterparts were said to feast on both men and women as well as newborns the legend of Lilith was originally included in some traditional Jewish texts. According to the medieval folk traditions, she was considered to be Adam's first wife before Eve. In these texts, Lilith left Adam to become the queen of the demons. She actually refused to be Adam's subordinate and thus was banished from Eden by God himself. And then she created the Lilith Festival or the Lilith Fair many years <laughs> later in the 20th century. I was going to say, I think we all know Queen of the right. Demons is Angela from Night of the Demons, which we just right, covered. Totally. But... Um, also, we're bringing back Lilith Fair, sponsored by Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. Oh, I love that. Bring it on. Honestly, that would be really fucking cool. Um, so listen, uh, it's not like we don't already listen to all that music all the time anyway. Please, listen, <laughs> it's not listen. much of a stretch. I'm going to, after we're done here, I'm going to spend the rest of my evening listening to Sarah McLaughlin and crying myself to sleep. I don't know about you. Perfect. Um, so that's a bit from Mesopotamia. Lots of cool stuff there. Um, in ancient Greece, ancient Greek mythology contains several precursors to modern vampires though none were considered undead 
These included the Ampusa, the Lamia, and the Stridges. Over <laughs> time, the first two uh, became general words to describe witches and demons, respectively. Ampusa was the daughter of the goddess Hecate and was described as a demonic bronze-footed creature. Why bronze? Probably because silver was too expensive. Uh, she feasted on blood by transforming into a young woman and seduced men as they slept. Uh, before drinking their blood. Lamia was the daughter of King Belus and a secret lover of Zeus. However, oh. Zeus's wife, Hera, discovered this infidelity and killed all of Lamia's offspring. Lamia swore vengeance and preyed on young children in their beds at night, sucking their blood. Like Lamia, the Stridges feasted on children, but also preyed on young men. They were described, uh, just like Kevin Spacey, they were described as having the bodies of crows. I'm funny tonight. Uh, the bodies of crows or birds in general and were later incorporated into Roman mythology as Strix, a kind of nocturnal bird that fed on human flesh and blood. The Romanian vampire breed named Strigoi has no direct relation to the Greek Striges, but was derived from the Roman term Strix, as is the name of the Albanian Striga and the Slavic Striga, which is, they both sound the same, don't they? Uh, though myths about these creatures are more similar to their Slavic equivalents. So lots of good stuff in there too, you know, from, from Greece, but, you know, moving into like Macedonia and then up into the Slavic region. Some interesting stuff there. It's very, it's really interesting that, you know, most of the vampire lore that we get in, you know, modern time, and I'm speaking, you know, like from 1970s yeah, on, sure. has been really concentrated on the male vampire, but with all of the mm. history, it's a lot more of a female vampire. Isn't that interesting? I, I, and I, I wonder if that's because, you know, maybe it's just too sexualized for our society. Oh, I don't know. You know? I don't know. It, I mean, it's probably a lot to do with one of the films we're t we'll talk about with Dracula. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of what the big popular kind of thing comes from. And then, you know, we adapted vampires from there in our entertainment, if you will, um, where we don't really look at like the true history. I'm trying to think um, there there was a show a little while back called The Strain. I don't know if you, you saw that show I, or I, not. I remember seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they were actually called the Strigoi on that show. Really? So that's interesting that you that that name as soon as you like said it, it like clicked in my brain. I was like, that's the strain. So that's pretty good on them for bringing that little bit of history into right. that. Now I've got one more little tidbit of history here, and it, like I said, it does connect to both of our films, which once again are Dracula from Bram Stoker uh, and Boys from County Hell, which relies a lot on Dracula itself as well and on Bram Stoker. Uh, which we'll talk about more later. But this is the legend of Abertok, which is central to the story of uh, uh, Boys from County Hell. And Abertok uh, was a chieftain in Ireland, in uh, in County Derry. So that, that's in the, in the north of Ireland, or some people might call it Northern Ireland. Um, Abertok was Neve Wer This is so hard to do in, Gil in Gilga. Neve <laughs> Wereev, uh, which in Gilga means the undead. Um, a chieftain that could not be killed even after he was buried multiple, multiple times. Um, so Ebertok is this old legend uh, out, of, out of Ireland um, that, you know, people here just sort of know if they're into Irish folklore. Um, and it is the vampire legend of Ireland. And, and you know, how it happens in the movie is just how Ebertok is in the legend as well. Um, but there's a lot of conjecture that Bram Stoker 
took inspiration for Dracula, not from Dracula, believe it or not, but actually from the legend of Abertok. And the reason why this gets bandied about by scholars is because and I, I, there's one scholar, I didn't write down her stupid name, but uh, whatever. Well, she, she's not stupid. But. No, 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 I'm <laughs> stupid. I'm stupid for not writing it down. Um, she has a theory that he barely knew anything about Dracula because he had no real biographical information. So he didn't have a lot of source material to really work off of. And so there's this great conjecture that actually the one vampire legend that Bram Stoker would have known over anything else would have been Abertok because he was <laughs> born in Clintarf, just outside of Dublin uh, in 1847. And that was a, a, a time, you know, a time before Internet and TV and everything else where sure. folklore was still the name of the game. And if you think about, you know, pubs back then and the way that people gathered, that would have been what they were doing is telling stories just like that. So you can almost imagine, you know, Bram Stoker on a Halloween in, in Clintarf, um, you know, really gathering around the fire, or, you know, hearing his dad tell these tales or hearing his grandpa or whatever. Um, so it's really, really interesting stuff. Um, or just it, some drunk guy at the end of the bar. <laughs> trust me, that that happens a lot here. I'm probably going to see that later. Um, but uh, also, Abertok is uh, is um, legendarily buried in in uh, in Northern Ireland in County Derry in Leaked Abertok, which means Abertok's sepulcher um, in a little tiny town. And there's a little tree on it, and there's a bunch of rocks on it too. Um, so interesting stuff. You know, I just thought it was it was kind of cool to think about how like you know if if that legend had never been and it, and it hadn't been passed down, maybe we would have never had Dracula. Bram Stoker yeah. would have never written the thing. You know what I, I mean? I will say I had never heard of uh, Abertok until watching um, Boys from County Hell. So good on them for bringing a, uh, a, a an old legend some new. Yeah, light, you know, yeah, I thought that was really cool. So that is my part. And Andrew, on to you for the modern stuff. Yeah. So I found an article um, in The Atlantic from 2015. So only a good six years ago. From Love The John, Atlantic. Yeah. From John Edgar Browning um, called Life Among the Vampires. Uh, so basically what this article breaks down is that this man went to New Orleans and stayed for two years among these people that called themselves human vampires. Wait, or, wait, wait. The, the, the author of the article did that? Yes. Wow. And uh, uh, Or what they like to call real vampires. Um, so real vampires are not undead, nor immortal, nor can they be weakened by garlic or vanquished by silver. In fact, they're biologically typical in almost all ways, except for how they get part of their nourishment from human and animal blood. Oh my! So this is a lifestyle, um, and in this particular sect is out of New Orleans. Like I said, um, they basically have a a community, if you will, that gets part of their nourishment from blood, um, and and or energy. Some of them kind of call themselves psychic energy, uh, psychic vampires. Okay. Um, if you watch what we do in the shadows, the new <laughs> yes. uh, version, the TV show, there's an energy vampire on there. So think of yeah. it as that, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> I love that show so fucking much. It's so good. Um, 
they basically feed off of this as part of their nourishment. So they range from, they, they're equally men and women. They range from 18 to 50. Uh, they're self-described atheists and uh, monotheists and polytheists. But I, I don't really know what polytheist means. But, um, uh, polytheist would just be like somebody, I mean, po- polytheist would be like a very, um, I mean, monotheism. Just open, I guess. Mo- monotheism is is a pretty broad term too. Monotheism could mean that you're uh, you're Jewish, you're Christian, you're Muslim, you're Zoroastrian, you're somebody who believes in one God. And a polytheist yeah. is somebody who would believe in many gods. So they could be Hindu, they could be, you know, a pagan or, you know, stuff like that. Huh, that's a, I like that. Um, so they were both single, married, divorced, sexual orientations were, uh, you know, all over the place. So the only thing that really truly united this group was their, um, otherwise normal existence, the impulse to take in blood or energy. Um, so this author, he opens the article with saying that he's like waiting for his bloodletting. He was going to let them suck his blood. Basically. Oh my God. It's crazy. Um, but he doesn't end up doing it. It's a very banal reason why he doesn't end up doing it. It's because like the wife came home too late. Like it's a very like, oh my God. Um, but it they see it as part of their nourishment. And they actually have um I'm trying to find that the a donor bill of rights, which is basically huh. a pact between donor and vampire to promote safety and well-being, both physical and social. Um, real vampires perform the bloodletting rituals only with willing donors. So friends, family members, significant others are member of the donor network. Um, so they even have like this ethic feeding bill of rights in, in this, in this community. That's wild. Um, and, uh, the real vampires, they don't always feed. They socialize as well, especially with others of their own kind. Older, more experienced vampires kind of known as elders will often form houses or covens to counsel younger, less experienced vampires to live within their condition. Um, for psychic vampires, this guidance may also include instruction on various methods of feeding, including contact feeding through physical touching the donor ambient feeding by taking excess energy that is naturally generated in a high traffic public place or even tantric feeding through sexual encounters um so sign sign me up let's go it's it's literally just like this community of like-minded people that share the same rules and traditions just like any other community except this community drink blood (laughs) wow well did they talk about um I mean, this was in 2015, right? So a a lot has changed in the zeitgeist in terms of thinking about health and about Mm -hmm. transmission and about bodily fluids and germs and blah, 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 blah. Um, I do wonder now, uh, I mean, like, what did they do during COVID? You know what I mean? I mean, like, they probably functioned a lot like you and me, where we had a quarantine, sure. and they all kind of stayed together. That would, I mean, this is just a conjecture. It's just wow. kind of my guessing, but wow. I, I would think that that's kind of in the age of the pandemic. We all had to choose the people that we were going to be around and trust that they were going to do what they needed to do to stay safe yep. and to protect the uh, chosen community that they were in. So I, I, I think that that lends itself really easily to kind of the traditional vampire lore of keep it a secret and yeah. we can all live in peace. You know, would you have, would you let them suck your blood? You know, I thought about that. I Did you? Really? I, 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 mean, <laughs> I mean, in reading this article and saying that this guy spent two years with these people, I mean, wouldn't you get curious I mean, so I, 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 when you were reading this, I will say that there is one. Look, it's not that weird. Um, you, you know me and Bridget, right? 
So mm-hmm. we both have this weird thing where we like to bite. And like for whatever dumb reason, like since college, we were like biting each other on the hand because it just felt good. And I don't know if it like it must like relieve pressure. I mean, like if you if you bite right now, the the fatty part of of the outside of your hand, you know what I mean? Everyone here, it, 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 take a moment, take your hands off the wheel of the car. Wash your hands for a second. Yeah, <laughs> wash your hands. Don't worry, the car will drive itself. Take your teeth and just bite that little fleshy part of your hand. It, Andrew, do it really quick. Give it a try. Now, does that not feel kind of good? Just a little I mean, bit. I- I, I mean, I will say I have sharper teeth than the normal person. You I, are a vampire. Damn. I'm not lying. Like, I, I, my canines are, like, insanely sharp, so it, it did hurt a little bit. But Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> but you know, if, imagine you didn't have, you know, vampire teeth. Instead, you've got, you know, mine that are, you know, that have been, you know, whittled down over the years. There's something about the pressure that it takes away from you, but also the pressure that it puts on. And also just, like, the very... Um, the, like the actual sensation of, of biting the thing. It doesn't feel bad. It actually feels pretty good. And then I think about when I eat meat. I love to eat meat. So I love to eat steak. The feeling when you eat a steak, you know what I mean? It's different than when you eat a fucking carrot, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that that is part of the experience. And so, you know, I wonder if that's part of this too. Um, the blood part, let's think about steak again, right? How do I like my steak? Fucking bloody. Um, you know, I want blood from animals. I just don't know if I want blood from humans. Yeah, I mean, I think it's complicated, right? So they see it as a nourishment portion of their like health. Like they're getting the vitamins from that blood. Really? Give them like the extra oomph in their in their nourishment. Do you think that's true? I mean, I don't think it's scientifically true, but maybe just like any addiction or any um want. Like once you get the taste of it, I mean, it's what cannibalism is kind of, you know, uh, worked into. Like once you get the taste of it, you can't go back. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if that kind of incorporates itself into the bloodletting. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Now all I can think about is having my blood sucked out of my body. <laughs> that's, that's all I can think about. And you know well, what? Should we talk about <sighs> a little bit about um, vampires and queerness? Sure. I, I, I think I've known, I might have known some gay vampires in my life. Yeah. So whether they're energy or blood ones, we'll figure it out. Yep. Uh-huh. So my source for this is a paper entitled, Not Just Dead, But Gay. <laughs> the Vampire as a Conduit of Cultural Anxieties Concerning <laughs> Queerness by William A. Tringall from Bridgewater State University in 2016. Andrew, I just want you to promise me that when I die, because I will die before you, I want you to promise me that on my tombstone, you will you will etch not just dead, but gay. But gay. <laughs> yes, I, I, I promise. <laughs> um so this is directly from um this dissertation i'm telling you i i wanted to include more but this dissertation is yeah. 63 pages long well, so welcome to dissertations if you want to go take a look at it um you can just google not just dead but gay and you can read the whole thing <laughs> um but I'm sorry uh, it's just, that's so funny um, I will just read you kind of the oh, the opening statement for this um, paper, and then we can kind of talk about it, how, how we kind of feel about it. Okay. 
The vampire is the queerest of monsters. Its terror does not emerge because it is an ungodly creation of science or a mindless killing machine. It does not rise from the deep, scaled and covered in algae to steal unwary beachgoers. It is not a mishmash of various corpses sewn together by a mad scientist. It does not howl at the moon or remain mild-mannered Jekyll in, wait- in its waking hours. It only to transform when it lies down to bed. No, the horror of the vampire is sexual. Worse, it is sexual in all the wrong ways. It is beautiful, charming, even occasionally funny and likable, but definitively abnormal. This allows the vampire to become a conduit for cultural anxieties concerning queerness within society, as a creature that straddles the binaries of life and death, drawing attraction and repulsion, the vampire queers both gender and sexuality. Stories about vampires can reflect and dramatize cultural anxieties surrounding queerness around both periods and mediums. Hmm. I think that is true. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. I think that even I I think when we talked about um interview with the vampire, oh, I was yeah. like I, I, I wanted it to be gayer. And I, I think that I even said that when talking about reading Anne Rice, where I was like, Anne Rice always likes to straddle this line of of queerness, but never kind of oversteps it. Um where I think um we have some there's always like a weird bisexuality with vampires. And I think that that's really interesting that that's woven into that, their kind of um, their, their history, you know? Yeah. I completely agree with you. I, I think, you know, when it, when it comes back to interview with the vampire, uh, I, I might've said this in, in that episode, but um, when it comes to that, I remember very distinctly um, going to see it at the second run movie theater in, in my hometown and my dad walking out and, uh, you know, he didn't talk to me about it, but I know that he talked to my mom about it because he read it as gay vampires. That, that's oh, the, weird. Yeah, that's the way that he read it. And, you know, I don't think that my dad was a homophobe. I just think he was an old man that was born in, you know, 36. Um, and I think if he was alive today, he would be a much different person. But, you know, all of that setting aside, aside yeah, I, I think there is an undeniable sensuality to the way that vampires do it, right? Because... The classic vampire that we know, the one that we have the image of in our heads right now, whether it's, you know, Dracula or whatever, is somebody who puts their lips on someone's neck and then, you know, sort of seductively takes in the thing from them. What does that remind you of? It reminds you of kissing. It reminds you of making out. It reminds you of, you know, of fellatio. It reminds you of a whole lot of things. So, I mean, yeah, there, there's sort of no way to to divest the way that vampires kill from the way that humans think about sex, the way that we see sex. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's just interesting. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, I think when we talked about werewolves, we talked a little bit about how that could be an an at you know a a thing about queerness and about the curse and about that. But really with vampires, it's very based in sex and sensuality and totally. And it's just very interesting that, you know, the way that maybe, maybe because we, you know, we'll talk about it when we talk about Dracula, you know, there was some like same sex type thing in there with, with um, obeying and kind of, bowing down to the master, if you will. And I just think that there is inherent within like queer culture that vampires are kind of, you know, the staple monster for us. Yeah. You know, I, I think too, there, there are, there's plenty of stories about how, how 
like vampires when they become a vampire they don't have genitalia anymore mm-hmm. right and so like if this is the only way that they can express themselves sensually um then yeah that's that's kind of how it all comes out you know <laughs> yeah. um i don't know we we probably need some more gay vampire movies don't we yeah for sure it's not been explored enough if you ask me yeah give us give us some hot fucking gay vampire vampire shit. action <laughs> yeah give me some give me some of that vampire ass baby fuck yeah um yeah vampires. yeah I, I, I do think you know i only followed it for a couple seasons i do think that uh that um what's that show on hbo uh true blood true blood did explore the queerness of it a little bit more um but i didn't watch i didn't watch long enough to know how far they took it you know i mean they they did a bit for sure but also like the problem with true blood is that it explored everything when it came to monsters and it was just like every week there was something new and you like your brain couldn't keep up with it and then i was finally like you know what i'm i can't watch this anymore because i value my sanity you know (laughs) totally understand well i think that kind of wraps up our our discussion on vampires wonderful Uh, discussion i mean we'll have a lot more to say when we talk about our movies yeah but i think we should take our first break and come back with what you've been watching bitch what you've been watching bitch let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby are you ready, bitch? Because it's time for what you've been watching, bitch. What this you've been is... watching, bitch. If you've never been with us before, this is the segment of the show where we just talk about what we've been watching. They could be recommendations. They could be, hey, stay far away from this awful thing. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk about them. So, Manny, oh. why don't you tell me what you've been watching i would love to begin with halloween kills which i saw at the lighthouse cinema right here in dublin ireland my favorite cinema in all of dublin um seriously lighthouse is a great place um halloween kills number one i just want to start by saying which people kind of know about me i'm sure i am a fan of the halloween franchise so i think that colors the way that i view this movie um halloween kills like I, people are like murdering each other on Twitter about this right now and all it's over every movie now. It's, it's just, just isn't it tiring? It's so tiring. Yes. Like, I, I mean, look, I really loved Halloween kills. It had, it had some really great flashbacks and some great like throwbacks to the original films. Um, so, some amazing people were in it. Um, you know, people that, that, you know, get to return as characters, um, I think that the way that they sort of like formed this mob mentality in Haddonfield was really interesting to think about when we think about what we're going through today with politics and everything else. Um, Michael Myers remains my favorite villain of all time, and he's just still so sexy the way that he kills people. Um, and it was just fucking fun. Like I, I was genuinely smiling watching this and like, there were parts where I was like clutching my pearls because I was so happy that that character got to return. Um, they actually do some really great stuff with gay characters in this new one too, which I really, really liked and thought was actually pretty fucking well done. Um, so yeah, I loved Halloween kills. I also loved being able to go to the cinema to actually see it. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. You know, I know that it's, I know that it's on demand cause it's on Peacock, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Here or in the States, it premiered, premiered same day on Peacock. Yeah. 
So, I mean, if you, ha- I'm sure most of you have probably watched it because you're horror fans, but if you haven't, I give it two and very enthusiastic thumbs up. Watch it as soon as you can. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I just think that this series of Halloween movies is just like, for some reason, I just can't get on board with it. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure if it's the writing or the film style or whatever, but each subsequent movie, I'm watching it and I just, I don't get it. So, I mean, that's, that's it, fine. It, it's yeah. fine. I mean, I, I have gotten to the point in my life where, you know, watch the movie. If you like it, great. If you yeah. don't, that's fine too. Exactly, and it's it doesn't okay. have to be like this, like visceral fighting that I see no. going on about every single fucking movie that comes out now. <laughs> it's Com- ridiculous. Completely agree with you. the The only time that that I ever feel that way anymore is if a movie or a show or whatever is truly offensive. You know what I mean? Like if yeah, it like, yeah, yeah. if it makes fun of trans people or if it does this or if it does that, then yeah, I'm like I'm ready to fucking like murder it. But other than that, like no. Oh, and can I tell you? Can I tell you one more thing right now? Sure. So you know that I love Hereditary. I know that you do as well. Yeah, yeah. And you know that my Twitter thing is to always say that who deserves the best actress role for Hereditary? Tony Collette, right? Um, so anyways, this person on Twitter, um, just speaking about you know what we're talking about here, there is a person, I'm not going to say their name, but they're, they're fairly popular. Um, we followed each other. We're in the horror world together. They're a critic or whatever. They said that they finally just watched Hereditary. Right. So I just want you to think about that for a moment. You're a horror critic and you've only just watched Hereditary now. You've waited three years 20, to watch Hereditary. Yeah, 2021. <laughs> and so the title of, of their review that they did on YouTube was literally so it was something along the lines of, I finally watched Hereditary, turned it off after an hour. And so me and many people in the comments were like, did you actually watch the movie or did you turn it off after an hour? Because if you turn it off after an hour, you can't really be a critic about it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And so anyways, J- Jamie Grayson popped in on my comment too. And then like, it just it got a little heated. That person blocked me. And I was oh like, gosh. you know what, dude? F- number one, truly, fuck off. And number three or two or whatever, like don't be a dick about this shit. People love hereditary. You know that they do. It's it's uh, Ari Aster is as a modern genius. If but just like you Andrew said, if it's not for you, that's okay. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't yeah, know. What I mean, just, I just thought it was weird. It was very no, very I strange. mean, they're doing it for the reason you're talking about right now. They're yeah. doing it so that people will click on it. They're doing it so that people will comment on it. It's all about kind of getting that viral effect you know and a lot of people yeah. just go out there in the universe and say things i i belong to a couple of um film lgbtq groups on fa- on facebook and yeah. literally they will just put up like <laughs> oh my god those groups jesus uh, they, Christ. they're ridiculous i i commented on one and I, we'll leave it after this but it was right after Candyman came out and this person literally you know you can put those like big backgrounds on your facebook yeah, yeah, message sure. or whatever and they literally said um going to watch Candyman. 2021 have never seen Candyman, <laughs> and that was literally there was no action item there was nothing and so i literally put in there i was like 
what do you i, I commented on it, i was uh, like what do you want me to say to this like what yeah. are you asking for here and all they could say was like oh you're a petty bitch and why would you ever come in here if people are just trying to have fun and i was like okay they really they really called you a petty this. bitch yeah 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 oh my god i'll tell you what we're gonna skip them and just think about what you have been watching bitch so andrew what is your first one Sure. The first one that I watched, we actually just watched it this weekend. Um, it was called Fun House, and it is on Hulu. Um, this is a recent release, 2021 release, and um, it is basically about um, taking internet. They take all these internet personalities. So there's like an MMA fighter. There's like a girl that was on like a Bachelor type show. There's like all these different people, and they're kind of like washed up. And huh. they all go. They're all told that they're going on this reality show called Fouch. Like I forget what the name of it. To teddy bear is called here's a character in there that's like a teddy bear and he's like the okay. announcer of the thing um but it's like his fun house and they all go in there thinking like okay it's a competition show like we all know this we're competing for like i think it's three million dollars or five million dollars and then they soon find out that this is actually like a thing to the death and oh my God. it's Jesus. all about it's all about like popularity so it's it it weaves that line of like will people watch literal torture on the internet and like vote for people on the internet to know that they're going to die. It's like, it plays with that a lot. Um, I will say it's a little bit corny, but I still kind of had fun with it. I don't know. It it was, it it sounds like fun. Yeah, it is. It, and that's the way I would describe it. It's kind of just like fun. And you can tell that it's like a little more of an independent filmmaker. So I, I had fun with it. And it actually stars one of the Scars guards that I've never seen before. It must really? be like the littlest brother or something. I'm not mm. sure. But um, he was actually pretty good at it. I liked that's it. Awesome. it. If you're looking for like a little fun Friday night movie, I think Fun House is perfectly fine. Okay. Sounds like sounds like fun. Pardon the pun. Ha ha ha. Um, my next one is called Waiting for the Barbarians. It is a film. Uh, I watched it on Now TV here in Europe. I'm sure that you can watch it on a number of different things in the States. Um, Waiting for the Barbarians is uh, based on a novel by J.M. Katsia, who's one of my favorite authors out of South Africa. Um, it has Mark Rylance. It has Robert Pattinson. It has Johnny Depp, who actually for oh, once weird. Is, is not bad. Um, I'm not usually a big fan of his, but he is, he's pretty good in this. Um, and it's a really wonderful film. Um, it's, it's, it's right up my alley. It might not be up a lot of other people's, uh, but it is about this. Um, it, it's sort of like a mythical, uh, it, it's, it's, it's another earth basically. And, uh, they, we're out in the desert at this desert outpost. That's a sort of like on, on the very fringes of the empire. We don't know what the empire is called or, or what, what its name is. It's just always called the empire. And Mark Rylance, who was one of my favorite actors of all time, he is the magistrate of this outpost. And he's a good man who is just trying to do his best out there and like help people and, you know, just keep the peace basically and keep things nice and keep a good life for everybody. Um, There are barbarians, quote unquote, that live beyond the outpost out on the fringes. And every generation, the magistrate tells us near the beginning of the film, the empire sends out basically sort of like 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 their own FBI or their own police. Okay. Like go fish out these barbarians and find out what's going on and make sure that they're not causing trouble and that you know that they're not going to start a war. So uh Johnny Depp is the head of those people, comes out to visit the magistrate unannounced and things just go downhill from there. Um it's a really beautiful film. Um I won't give anything else away to you. 
Um, I highly recommend watching it. It's just it's gorgeously shot. It's it's written so incredibly well. Not a surprise because the author of the novel is just so so good. Um, and it's wonderful. Um, it's from Samuel Goldwyn Films too, so you know that those always look really nice when they come out. Um, premiered at Venice Film Festival in 2019 to to critical acclaim. And like I said, Mark Rylance, you just you can't beat that dude. He's so fucking good. Um, and Robert Pattinson is actually pretty good in it too. So that is my choice for you. Waiting for the Barbarians. Huh. I never even heard of this. Um, okay. Um, my second one is you season three. Um, oh, I, have to, so, I have to watch this. I'm so far behind. Yeah. So this premiered in October, like many things. Um, but, uh, I happened to catch it. We kind of steamrolled through it. It was pretty easy to like get through the 10 episodes very quickly to be honest with you um it's one of those very bingeable shows if you will um i think that um you season three was really good um i do think that we need like one more season and the show needs to be done if i'm being totally honest from, Um, from your lips to god's ears honey i am all about that just because i mean you when you watch it you'll see mandy but like the the amount of things that these people have been able to get away with without getting caught has just gotten to a peak that yeah. come on like come it's, on it's it's got it, i mean i haven't watched this latest season yet but it has to be a little bit unbelievable now i would imagine right and i will say this season we see the triumphant return of the actress from search party who played the lawyer in season oh, three fun. that's good um and she is the highlight once again just like i said when i talked about search party season three that lawyer character in search party is the best thing about that season she is the best thing about season three of you. She's so good. She plays like the best friend of, of the love interest of love. Not that that's her name. Um, but, um, she's so good. The season is pretty bingeable. It's pretty fun. Like I said, I need about one more season and then I need like, uh, I needed, I needed to wrap it up. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Fair enough. Speaking of things that need one more season only, I am watching Succession season three. Um, you can watch it on HBO in America, of course, and you can watch it on Now here in Europe, um, which I think you're seeing the pattern, right? I watch everything on Now. Now, <laughs> um, Succession season three. I am a big fan of Succession. Um, this season is uh, is really really good. Um, it is it, it is the story of a very very rich family who is crumbling. And um, there are just incredible politics at play among all of them, among the, the dad and the uh, and the four children. And it is Shakespearean in its drama. It is uh, just absolutely wild, the shit that happens. And it's really, really good. The only thing that I would say about this season is that, um, you know, the kids in seasons one and two, um, the way that they acted made sense. Now I'm sort of waiting for them to become real people, if that makes any sense. Oh, sure. Like more complete characters. Yeah. And that just, it's not happening as fast as I thought it would this season. And like, maybe I'm in for a big surprise. It's it's not done yet. And I also have an episode to watch tonight. Um, But I mean, it's just, it's so good. It's also really cool because, you know, one of our friends from college, Arian Moyed, is in it. He plays Stewie. And Arian, I can't tell you enough how good Arian is as an actor and as a person. He's just such a good person. And I, I, we had so much fun together in college. We all admired him for his talent because he is incredibly talented. Um, and now he gets to be in this incredible show on fucking HBO. So we're just we're so proud of Arian for all that he does and for the good person that he is. And he's wonderful in this. So 
blah, 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 blah. Succession season three, watch it. I'm sure you might be already. Um, and I think one more season of this and then that story needs to wrap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my next one is on Paramount Plus. Uh, it is a Paramount Plus exclusive, I believe. Uh, it is Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. Is it a movie or a series? It's a movie. Um, so this is, I would say, kind of a reboot of the Paranormal Activity series because it does not tie back to the uh, original okay. series. It's kind of a new story. The basic story is that there is a woman who is filming a documentary about her trying to figure out where she comes from. So she was adopted from, uh, actually abandoned from a very early age uh, as a baby. And she's just trying to figure out where she comes from. And she figures out that she comes from like this Amish uh, territory. And she goes back and they are filming basically the docu-series of her being like introduced to like the people that, you know, the community that she comes from. Sure. Um, It's written and it's written by the guy who did Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, He's also a gay. So I follow him. I'm Um, a homosexual. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I actually, this is another one that has like divided Twitter and divided the internet and all these things that um, people are like, why didn't, what, this isn't paranormal activity and blah, 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 blah. And you know what? It's, it's just a different movie with a paranormal activity like on it it's parent it's paranormal activity because it's found footage because they're kind of documenting everything sure. that's going on and it's like spooky and ghosty and demony um but it's just a different story and i wish people could just take that for what it's worth and just enjoy it because i i don't know I, i'm finding that like all these new releases i don't know if it's because we haven't had movies in the theater in so long or like if people are starving for entertainment or like whatever but it just seems like every time one of these movies comes out, it's like people just fucking hate it. Yeah. Like, can't you just enjoy yourself? I don't know. I just, I, I enjoyed it. I, th- I am, I'm a huge fan of those yeah. first probably three paranormal activity movies. Sure, 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 sure. I think that the first one fucking, when we, we got to cover that at some point, because the first time I ever saw that movie, it freaked me out so yeah. much that I like couldn't go to sleep that night. But you know what too, um, you, you know what I'll say to you too about what you were just saying and not to harken back on this already, but you know, like, you know me, I don't like found footage stuff, right? It's just, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. my thing. I, I watch it for our show, of course, but it's just, it's not, it's not my thing. So you know what I don't go out and do, Andrew? I don't go to the theater to go see paranormal activity. Do you know what I mean? Like, so people guess what you don't have to do. You don't have to go see it. (laughs) Like you can just not do it also. Yeah. I, I I thought that this was a a fun reimagining of what a new story could be because I could see like one or two more sequels to this, like this story, if you will. Um, And I, you know what I really liked? I really liked that it was focused on the Amish community because I think that's a community we don't really talk about anymore in in entertainment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, when I was mean, the last time you heard about Amish people? You know what I mean? It's, it's been a while. But I mean, from what you're saying, this actually might be one that that might appeal to me. So I, am, I think you I, would I like this. I don't know how I can watch it here, but I'll figure it out. And I it can, sounds like it's going to be fun. I can give you my password. Yeah, but I, I might not be able to access Paramount here. That's, I don't that's know. The only thing. We'll but anyway, yeah, that, that's my take on Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. I enjoyed it. Is it like the knock your socks off big box office thing? No, but is it for free on Paramount Plus? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so. Now, my fourth and final one is Behind the Monsters. You can watch this on Shutter and also on AMC Plus. I've been wanting um, to watch this. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, they did one on Michael Myers. They did one on Candyman. 
There's a third one that I can't remember right now. Um, they're they're excellent. It's just what it sounds like. It's um, taking the villains from our favorite horror films and bringing in the people who created them to talk about it. That's cool. Um, yeah. So, you know, like with, with the Candyman one, it's, you know, it's Tony Todd. It's the original director. I can't remember his name right now. It's Virginia Madsen. It's Tana Reeve. It's Tana Reeve Dew. It's, you know, it's all these great people talking about Candyman. Um, and then with Michael Myers, it's fucking John Carpenter. And it's, you know, different critics that we really admire. And it's this person and Jamie Lee Curtis and blah, 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 blah. Um, it's a blast. And um, I, I, I really like when Shudder when Shutter dedicates time and money to these kind of things, because it does give our community so much to, to learn about and learn from. Sure. And, you know, like we're, we're all kind of freaks about like the history of this and like how they did that kind of thing with our favorite films anyway. Um, but this just gives you even more and even richer stuff to look at. Um, so behind the monsters on Shutter, I think is, in, is really well done. It's, it's really simple. The episodes are like 45 minutes or so. I think um, our friend um, Michael Verratti shows up. Michael in one Verratti of these is on it. He is mm-hmm. indeed in the Halloween episode, and he that's and awesome. He's, and he's great. I love I love hearing Michael talk because he's just he's very listenable. Um, yeah, so it's you hear that, Michael. You're very listenable. <laughs> did you Did you hear that, Michael? Good. Um, so yeah, behind the monsters on Shutter. Watch it. Yeah, that's awesome. I I'm definitely gonna look into that series. It just it's with the barrage of things that have come out. It just hasn't quite gotten to my ear balls yet. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, my last one was a sci-fi, and I mean S-Y-F-Y, original, okay. um, and it premiered in the middle of the month. I believe they're going to release it on Blu-ray in, in the, in, on November, oh, nice. um, but it is actually Slumber Party Massacre 2021. Okay. Wild. Um, and people knowing this show and knowing how much we loved um, Cocktail Party Massacre when that podcast oh, was around, yeah. and we even went on that show to do a quiz show all about the original Slumber Party Massacre. Um, we love that movie. It's camp as all camp can be. Hell yeah. <laughs> We'll have to figure out how we weave it into the show at some point. But um, this is a retelling kind of of that story. Um, But it's not what you think it is. So um, I would definitely... I I sat down expecting to not like this movie just because of my love for the original. Yeah. Um, And about halfway through the movie... You get this twist that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil, but it really just set this movie apart for fun. me. Okay, and it, it was really fun. And what it does is it takes what Slumber Party Massacre did with kind of uh, it, 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 I'll give you a brief history of Slumber Party Massacre, but it's a it's directed by a woman, but it's also from the gaze of a man because of the person who produced it hmm, okay um so there's a lot of boobs there's a lot of nudity it's that, sure, you know, sure, that sure. whole thing of the 80s i think when we when we went on cocktail party massacre i think they said 30 seconds in you get a boob you know what i mean yeah, like, type exactly. of thing. right um but this reverses it and you get some mail like some male like stuff sign me up i'm watching i'm watching you should that. watch it honestly i think maddie i honestly think you will really really like it oh good um, so, you know, this was a pleasant surprise for me because I've definitely tuned into a lot of these. I like to call them Seafy movies because <laughs> <laughs> I kind of I like um, that. <laughs> um, and they have like, you know, been hit or miss, mostly misses. Yeah, but sure. this one was like so good for a sci fi. Like when this comes out on Blu ray, I'm definitely going to buy it for sure because I want to watch it again. And plus, there's a nudity scene that they had to blur out for uh, uh, For sci-fi, and and I want to see it in all its glory. Fuck yeah, give me that nudity, baby. Um, Andrew, let's let's review them. You read mine, I'll read yours. 
Sure. So for Maddie, we had Halloween Kills, which is currently on Peacock or in your local cinema. Uh, Waiting for the Barbarians on Now TV. Succession Season 3, which is on HBO Max. And what was your last one again? I'm sorry. Behind the Monsters. Behind the Monsters on Shudder. And Andrew watched Funhouse on Hulu, You Season 3 on Netflix, Paranormal Activity Next of Kin on Paramount Plus, and Slumber Party Massacre 2021 on Seafy. <laughs> I'm glad that that's just like, Let's that's just how we're going to pronounce it from now on. Let's yeah. keep All right, it. Great. All and right, now, so that, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps up another edition of What You've Been Watching, Bitch. Andrew, what are we doing now? We are going to take a quick break and come back with the oldest movie we've ever critiqued. Oh, yeah. Dracula. I am Dracula. A moment ago, I stumbled upon a most amazing phenomenon. Something so incredible, I mistrust my own judgment. Look. Dracula. The very mention of the name brings to mind things so evil, so fantastic, so degrading. You wonder if it isn't all a dream, a nightmare. Rats. 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 But no, this is no dream. This is Dracula, the original terrifying story of a maniac and a man who lived after death, lived on human blood, took the form of a vampire bat and lured innocent girls to a fate truly worse than death. Dracula? What's he done to you, dearie? Tell me. He came to me. He opened a thing in his arms, and he made me drink. And we're back with the first film. So get ready to sink your teeth into Dracula from 1931. Andrew, tell us all about it. The story of the strangest passion the world has ever known. The one that started them all, a powerful and ruthless vampire named Count Dracula, arrives in London to prey on young socialite women. Standing in the vampire's way is a group of concerned men and the enigmatic Dr. Abraham Van Helsing. This marks the beginning of the universal horror in the sound era. Directed by Todd Browning, written by many people, including Bram Stoker, (laughs) Hamilton D. John Balderston, Garrett Ford, Lewis Broomfield, Todd Browning, Max Cohen, Dudley Murphy, Frederick Stephanie, a lot of people, people. So production company obviously is Universal. Distribution also handled by Universal. Dracula is played by none only than Bella Lugosi. Renfield, who we'll talk about, is played by Dwight Fry. Mina is played by Helen Chandler. Harker, John Harker is played by David Manners. Van Helsing is played by Edward Von Sloan. 
what a what a perfect name for Van Helsing. I know, right? right. Um, Doctor Seward is played by Herbert Bunston, and Lucy is played by Francis Dade. This was not rated for the time. Um, it comes in at seventy five minutes, which is just a kiss on the cheek. Thank you, God. <laughs> Thank you, God. Made in the United States uh, on the Universal Pictures backlots, released in February 9th of 1931, which, God, if you looked at this movie, you would not think it was 1931. Um, and the budget was about $341,000. And for the time, the gross is just not available. So, mm-hmm. yep. But Dracula. So, Maddie, was this your first time actually sitting down to watch the Universal original Dracula? It was not my first time, um, but I mean, it, I think I might have watched it like with like my aunt a long time ago. You know what sure. I mean? So it's been it's been a, a, a it's been a minute, um, and it's a wonderful experience. You know, it's it's a wonderful experience to go. I mean, look in in the synopsis, it said it right. It's it's the film that that you know started it all. I I think that if this film had never been made. Um, I think that horror today would be different. I think that the way that we think about horror would be different. Um, it is a classic in so many ways. Uh, Bella Lugosi is just, he's Bella Lugosi. I mean, like, there's no one else that, that could do it the way that he did it. Um, it was actually, they, it was supposed to be Lon Chaney originally for the role. And I think that Lon Chaney would have been just really wrong for Dracula. Um, and, you know, I, I think about this film in, in connection with Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula that came out in the nineties. Um, and, you know, rewatching it this time, I didn't actually realize how much of, of Coppola's, uh, really does rely shot by shot on, on this one from, oh, sure. from, from Todd Browning. You know, um, I, you know what I was thinking of watching yeah. it? Um, I don't know if you ever saw it, but, um, the Leslie Nielsen movie, Dracula dead and loving it. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. I forgot about that. Wow. Was, yeah, totally. I, I, I watched that movie a ton when I was a kid. So like when I was watching this movie, I was like, Oh, that's yeah. what this is based on. Yeah. You know, and just think of it. We would have never had that horror classic that, that, that <laughs> Dracula piece, dead and loving that piece of amazing literature without this. So, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I could blah, blah, blah all day. It's, it's a really incredible thing. I, I think dipping into the universal monsters um, for our monsters or terrifying series is, is an important thing to do. And, and we've done it now. Um, and, uh, for, for, for good reason, there's just so much to learn from this film and so much to really love about it. And it's, it's a, it's a, a, an enduring classic. Yeah. I think when we started thinking about how we wanted to structure this series, this monster series, like this is kind of what I was thinking of, like taking an old movie that maybe we passed by or maybe didn't have any, um, history with and like revisiting it and then put, putting it up against kind of a modern day thing. And I think yeah. we've done that with both of our other monster series in different ways. We did but for because sure. this is vampires. Like we, we can't ignore yeah. that, you know, the universal movies brought so much to what we look at today. Um, I will say this is actually my first time watching this movie. Oh, wow. I've, I've definitely seen parts of it. I've definitely sure. like seen clips and here and there, but I've never like truly sat down. And I think I've admitted this on the show in, in earlier episodes, but the universal monster movies are kind of my dark spot in horror. Yeah, like I sure. don't have a ton of history with them because growing up in the eighties and nineties, you looked at these movies as those boring movies that are on during the day on like WGN or like whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Laughable, laughable. 
Yeah, or like just those like black and white movies that you, as a kid you don't think anything of. Yeah, you know of what I mean. Not. I thought it does. So watching it this time, and I gotta say, I, I watched this on Peacock. They have all of the Universal movies on Peacock now, which That's is awesome. kind of incredible. Um, it looked great. I mean, there were only a couple of shots that looked like they were kind of like grainy or like whatever, but most of them they restored it so well. I can't so- even. Yeah, let me tell you how I had to watch it. I had to rent it. And what's funny about that is that, you know, I, I'm a subscriber to Criterion Channel. And Criterion Channel for October, they I was really excited because they have all the Universal uh, movies on there, which is great. Like, it's, Did it's they the take Universal. them off right after? No, 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 no. The, oh. <laughs> so they have all the rest of them. But for Dracula, you want to know what they have? Just the Spanish version. That's it. What? <laughs> yeah, and so the Spanish version, and this this I did not realize. The Spanish version is is not dubbed, so it's it's not you know the Bela Lugosi version dubbed into Spanish on the bottom or dubbed with you know Spanish uh, 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 tracks. It is a totally other movie filmed with Spanish speaking actors. They filmed it at the same time. I oh had no gosh. idea about this. I, I did not know this. <laughs> yeah. So they filmed not one Dracula, but actually two. And one is in Spanish and one is in English. That's it. So the one that you can watch on Criterion streaming right now is only the Spanish one, which is cool. But I was like, Criterion, why don't you just, can you just put both on there? Like, (laughs) did you have to put just the fucking Spanish one? So anyways, um, I did rent it and, you know, whatever, three bucks or whatever it was, not that big of a deal. Um, But it was kind of an interesting way to think about um, how I had to get this. Yeah. Um, so just the, the main points of the movie. So basically the movie is um, Renfield is showing up to a town in, I, I think, Belgium. I can't really no, remember. No, no, no. In, in, uh, in, in, um, in Transylvania. Yeah, but the town that he's in, I can't think of where that is. Is that in Transylvania as well? Because he's kind of like yes. on a journey. Yeah, in, in, in the Borgo Pass. Yeah. And so he basically stops at this town. They're all telling him, don't go. Dracula is a vampire and all of him and his wife's uh, feed on the on the townspeople in the middle of the night and they all have to go in. Uh, He disobeys and goes. And I think it's hilarious when the carriage pulls up uh, to meet uh, at the Borgo Pass or whatever. And they literally just like throw him out of the carriage and the guy keeps going because he's Uh, like, fuck this noise. I am not doing this tonight. Um, And then it kind of goes into the story of Renfield and Dracula and how they make their way to London and then how they target the chief doctor of the Seward Sanitarium and his daughters. I'm assuming Lucy is one of his daughters as well. I I just that kind of what it it led me to believe Lucy. Lucy is the friend and me well, they're is in the, the same house. So that's why I, yeah. kind of... I, I think it's like Lucy's is kind of always there. So like yeah. Mina is the daughter. Lucy is like her best friend. Thing, okay. Basically. I, I kind of, I, I guess I read it as sisters, but it could be either way. Um, and then, you know, Dracula shows up and is kind of tormenting these people. Meanwhile, Dr. Van Helsing has shown up for some reason. Uh, he's just there because <laughs> of a movie and, um, he discovers that Dracula is a vampire and then it kind of goes from there. But, um, that's kind of the, the basic plot of yeah. the movie. Um, the thing that I fucking loved about this movie is Renfield. Renfield is my diva queen of oh this God. movie. <laughs> Renfield is so weird. Um, and, you know, it's the it, the other thing about it, too, is, you know, and not to talk about Coppola's version, um, but so much of Coppola's version and the way that the actors act is based on this film, too. 
right? And so, like, you know, Tom Waits played played Renfield in Coppola's, and there he wouldn't have played it in the way that he played it without what's his name again? Um, with uh, Dwight Fry playing Renfield the way that he did in the original Dracula. Um, so it was it was it was interesting for me to think about that too. Um, but yeah, Renfield in this is just fucking wild. He, he, you yeah. know, he, just, he just wants a big fat spider. You know, who it's doesn't? Funny. Uh, when he, my favorite line of his is, <laughs> it's when they go, which if anything shows that in this movie, travel in these times was not easy based no, on the carriage ride and the ship ride that we go on. Um, but my favorite part is where they show up in London and um, basically Renfield is talking to Dracula's uh, casket and he's saying, you can't hear what i'm saying but we are here <laughs> we're safe we're safe master and just like it was so funny on the introduction of dracula and renfield together and it's it, it's really it's a kind of a weird thing that i noticed but you know dracula goes up and down the staircase just fine and he has his monologue about listen to them creatures of the night what music they make um but then when renfield has to go up their stairs there's all these spider webs and everything yes <laughs> totally you kind of almost expect Dracula to apologize for the mess. I don't know. <laughs> at some point, which he kind of does in the next room where he's like, uh, I think you'll find this room much more hospitable or whatever he, whatever right, he says. Right, totally. Um, and, you know, it's kind of, Renfield is one of those characters that you're not, you don't truly understand what he truly is. I mean, we know that he's the familiar, but he's kind of like half a vampire, half human, if you will, because he can stand in the sunlight and he can, but he still depends on blood and he still depends on um, what they call small lives. Um, I, 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 I thought that was another like very, interesting scene and i thought it was so funny the way um that bella lugosi played on it is when renfield is begging for small lives he's begging for any blood that he can get and dracula is just kind of looking at him like you're being a little dramatic right now (laughs) did you know speaking of renfield i just did a little googling do you know that there's something called the renfield syndrome in psychology no is that like where you like are um you have a master or whatever oh a little bit. So here, I'll, 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 I'll just read this straight, straight, straight from the Wikipedia. Um, the term Renfield syndrome was coined by psychologist Richard Knoll in 1992, originally as a joke term to describe clinical vampirism. Correspondingly, oh. there is also a vampire personality disorder, VPD, a diagnosis for clinical vampirism used for the behavioral profiling of serial killers compelled oh. by bloodlust and for patients who act out violent vampiric fantasies albeit this diagnosis is not recognized by the dsm-5 um so it's it's sort of like a a loose diagnosis like you couldn't actually diagnose anybody with this Um, but the effects of renfield syndrome follows the pathology of the character in the novel uh consisting of several stages initially the patient exhibits exhibits zoophagia a compulsion to eat insects or to eat live animals or drink their blood As the condition worsens, the behavior grows more and more deviant, culminating in a compulsion to drink another person's blood in an act described as true vampirism, (laughs) including intentionally harming another individual for that purpose. The same behavior Renfield is seen exhibiting in the novel and in the film. Huh. That's really interesting. I never heard that before. Neither had I. 
Um, there's a couple parts that I thought were a, a little bit, um, you could tell that this is just an older movie. There, oh, yeah. There's a part at the, at the movie theater where he goes to meet Dr. What is it? Seaward, right? Seward, yeah. Um, for the first time. And, um, he tells the, what would you call that? The like ticket the, taker? The basically, yeah. Usher, yeah. Um, to like go say like he needs, it. <laughs> she basically comes in and she goes, doctor, you're needed for a phone call. <laughs> and then Dracula comes in and he goes, I couldn't help but hear your name and i was like wait he didn't say his name but you know also some of those ancillary characters are are really funny like the, um the the, 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 the lance the helper guy what is it do you know who i'm talking about martin martin yeah oh my god he, i mean they're ridiculous and like they're they're one thing this movie definitely suffers from is back then they did not have good dialect coaches. So you yeah, know, all, yeah. all these people are supposed to be in England. <laughs> like they literally all sound, over the place. <laughs> yeah, they sound like they're from fucking like LA. That's what they sound like. Um, so that was really funny. But especially that guy's that guy's like Cockney accent is hilarious. I, yeah. I was laughing pretty hard at that. It was him and the maid that kind of stuck out yes, like, and from all the other people. But I, I did write in my notes at some point as so I was like, can someone please tell them what's going on? Because they're, yeah. they're, out there like, they're out there like shooting the bats and like, <laughs> it's just absolutely fucking it's like it's like a farce after a while and with them specifically because they're like uh, with the maid. They're like, uh, don't let her take off the wolfbane yeah. necklace or whatever. And then all of a sudden, Mina's just like outside on the terrace, just like having a grand old time. And she's like, I don't know what happened. And, you know, it, it is it's interesting. Like, I, I do wonder um, I, I wonder how much of that was them thinking when they made the film. Oh, it can't be too scary. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, there, yeah for like gotta, modern audiences. Yeah. There's there's got to be some comedy in here because if we don't put comedy in, people are going to the women are going to faint and, you know, people are never going to come back to the movie theater. So I, I, I wonder how much of that was was sort of in their brains as filmmakers when they were writing the script and then and then executing it. I imagine somewhat. I mean, look, the movie is not scary to us now. It's just not. Um, I will say there is a one at one point I was I was very tense. And it was the point where John and Mina are out on the terrace. And John doesn't know what's going on because he's kind of a dumb yeah, dumb. He's and, very dumb. Yeah, and he's having a conversation with her. And you can just see in her eyes that all she wants to do is bite his neck. Like yeah. that's all she wants. And you can see it in her face. And I just be, being someone that's new to this movie for the first time i didn't know what was going to happen yeah, so i no, was like enough. on edge at that point yeah i, I should edit myself i mean i i it's i, I don't mean to say that, it, that it's not scary because we we don't do that um but I, what i guess i'm trying to say is that like the i mean i mean the think about the scariness of something like hereditary and think about the scariness of something like a movie from 1931 oh right? sure sure, sure, sure. It, just, it hits our modern brains you know differently um i kind of forgot where i was going with that Oh, well, That's that okay. happens sometimes. You go ahead. You say um, something neat. Some of my favorite quotes uh, from most of them are from Renfield, but I have a couple from Mina as well, because I think that she's kind of a standout character when she gets to shine. Um, I love when Renfield says to Van Helsing, you know too much to live. Like, I thought that, <laughs> I that was yes. so good. Um, uh, then the other one from him was my favorite, was one of my favorites was, um, uh, this is a strange conversation for people that aren't crazy. Like yes. I thought that, that was like genius of like Renfield to like kind of standing in the in the weights and he's like waiting for them to have their conversation about is it a vampire what is this going on and he's just like you know for uh, me being the crazy person you guys are talking pretty crazy uh, <laughs> so, huh? 
I did think it was funny though how Renfield he is constantly like he's constantly ratting out Dracula, but then also telling Dracula that he's like um, loyal to him. Which I know Renfield, you're actually not that loyal, dude. I know. Uh, my favorite from Mina. She has two standout lines for me. Um, I actually told Michael that this is what I'm going to say to him from now on. Is when she sa- she's talking about her dream and she's talking about how she was she was reading and getting ready to go to bed, and then she says, "I was commencing to get drowsy." <laughs> It's like that's like when I'm trying to watch a movie with Michael and he just keeps dozing off and I'm like, that's are you so to get drowsy? That's hilarious. Um, um, my other one was when he when she says, uh, "Doctor Van Helsing, I don't think you this is an is as important as you think it is." When she's like talking about her bite and he's like going on and on and on and she's like, "Dude, we get it. Like, relax." Yeah, it's you know, it's it's witty and and I I think that that's probably you know for the folks out there who haven't seen this before. I think that that might surprise you. Um, yeah, how, sure. how how witty this film is, and you know, it's just sort of you know thinking about the way that we used to think. We, we mentioned this earlier when we were kids. We thought these were boring movies. We thought that they were you know kind of laughable or whatever. They're they're incredibly clever, um, and they knew what they were doing. And, you know, like I said earlier on, like I just I don't think that horror today would be the same if if this if this had never been produced and if and if if folks had never learned style from this yeah um, so it really is just a, a an, an incredible part of our of our horror history oh and i did want to say i think like it's funny um early on with lucy who becomes kind of the lady in white who like goes after all of the children sure. um she's kind of like the the goth of the of the of the group she's like yeah interested in like what's going on with dracula it's pretty like, fucking cool yeah and then she becomes like one of his wives or however you want to however you want to talk about the the women and kind of in the movie um there's there's just one point in the movie that kind of stuck with me as like oh man that kind of i didn't like that but um it's the end the end is so blunt and so abrupt it's just like the end doesn't make a whole lot of sense i know it's like van helsing says um no i'm gonna stay back and make make sure he's dead i guess make sure that dracula's dead and then mina and john like leave and i'm just and then it's just like and that's a universal picture (laughs) and i was like like, wait what i actually you know because 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 i rented it i i went back and watched the ending a few times to make sure that i didn't miss something you know what i mean i was like wait a minute did somebody say something or are they like ascending to heaven right now? Like what, what just happened? So yeah, that is one thing about it that just, it, that, that part of it is not great. It just ends and then you're done. Yeah. And maybe that's part of this like universal pictures moment. I'm not sure. I haven't seen yeah. too many of these movies. So maybe we'll shed some more light on that as we examine some more as we go through the series. But yeah, yeah sure. that was just like the one thing that stuck out to me that I was like, Oh man, I kind of wanted more of this. Yeah, but, right. I mean, or, the fact or, or, that the movie something from, more definitive. Yeah, but the fact from a movie from 1931 wanted 2021 me to keep going that yeah. says something about this movie. Uh, a few, so, a few, few little factoids about the movie: um, Universal commissioned a new score in 1999. I did, I did not realize this from oh. from Philip Glass. Now, Philip Glass is an amazing composer in general, but what other horror movie did he score? Can you name it? I'm uh, blanking. Candyman. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So it, it premiered so, at, the, at the Brooklyn Academy of Music on 26 October 1999. So in the version that I watched, is that the original or this new one? Ooh. Do we know? You know what? I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I will... <laughs> 
you know, I don't probably know. the original. I'm guessing. I, I think it's the original because I'm the one that you watched open up with Tchaikovsky, right? Swan yes. Lake. Yeah, okay, yeah. So my, my mine did too. So maybe there's like a Blu-ray version or something where it has the new score from from Philip Glass. That, that's huh, possible. That's actually kind of cool. Which oh. yeah, which I I would actually uh, let's dig into this and find out because I I want to watch that one um, because that is one that that's a, that's maybe another criticism that I have of it of this movie from 1931 is that it does open up with Swan Lake and that's sure. and you know like I guess back then not everybody it wasn't so well known among in people's heads but like now i hear that and i can't help but think of swan lake you know what i mean yeah of course so like i would i would love to hear it without that and i bet philip glass did something really cool with it yeah and i also will say that lugosi at the time of the filming he was actually he played the role on broadway Uh um and he actually had to petition pretty hard to get this role because the studio wanted somebody else they wanted lon cheney well, and then they they just didn't want Bela Lugosi. Like they, for yeah. some reason, they just did not want him. I don't know if it was something in the back then. The studio system was so different. Oh yeah, than than what we know now. And if you want to hear more about that, you can listen to our Hollywood is terrifying episode. Yeah, totally. Um, but uh, they only paid him uh, five hundred dollars a week for this wow. entire movie. So he only made about thirty five hundred dollars. Which I mean, nineteen thirty one. That's a lot of money. Still, it's a lot of money, but still, um, I think that Renfield actually made like triple that. What? um, uh, Based on uh, based on how they did this, because he just wanted to be in it so bad, he took the pay cut to be in it. That Um, is, um, that's interesting. uh, The queer angle to this is that the guy who played John uh, David Manners was actually a gay. Oh my. He he married in 1929 to a woman, um, Susan Susan Bushnell, uh, but actually <laughs> they lived together in Hollywood with their live-in uh, Filipino houseboy. Oh my! So we can kind of see maybe what happened there. I get it. I get it. Um, he basically divorced a year later and ended up actually getting into a very long term relationship with someone uh, with a man um and they lived happily ever after for a long long time and he actually lived to be 98 that man that's, that's kind of amazing especially for back then my goodness if i lived to be if i lived to be 98 that is going to be a miracle <laughs> wow. um also you know this film gave rise to one of my favorite songs to listen to around halloween which is from bauhaus called bella lugosi's dead have you heard this before oh no i've never heard that oh my god it's, it's such a great song it's a long ass song it's like nine minutes long um, but this is a song that they made, and it's basically just the the the, the lyrics are basically just Bella Lugosi's dead over and over and over again, <laughs> and it's really good. Uh, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it is fucking awesome. Um, so if you've never listened to Bauhaus's Bella Lugosi's Dead, get your ass on Spotify or whatever you listen to and do it because it's great. Some some other some other lyrics there are Bella Lugosi's dead. The bats have left the bell tower. The victims have been bled. Red velvet lines the black box. Bellagosi's oh, dead, undead, undead, undead. It's so good. It's just wonderful. Yeah, that's the one thing about this movie. I was like, you know, this movie couldn't exist now because we all have screens on our window. So, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I actually put in my notes, I was like, when were screens invented? Because, no, well, I'll tell you what, though, Andrew, not in Europe. There's not a screen to be found here. It's one thing that does drive me crazy about this part of the world. They don't, we, we don't do screen doors and we don't do screens on fucking windows. 
oh, I don't think I could live that way without the, the with the bugs and everything. Yeah, it, it was a problem for me. And then I finally ordered like you you can like get a little screen thing from Amazon, um, which I which I put on my own like deck door, um, which protects me from bugs and also from vampires, which is good. Perfect. So I'm glad that I I got that. Yeah, that was the one, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk about Boys in County Hell, but this that was the one thing that is not consistent in the familiar vampire realm that we sure. know about, is where yeah. he just came in, like he didn't need to be invited in. Right, I right, think right. my only excuse for that in this movie is maybe because it's a public place, because they live at the sanitarium. Oh, that's true. So maybe that's considered like a public place and he can enter when, you know, enter as he wants, but I, I'm not sure. Or maybe because he was invited by Dr. Seward at some point. Listen, um, whoever made the vampire rules, you got to ask them. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> uh, Andrew, but yeah. what, is, what is your final takeaway on Dracula from 1931? Uh, so my final takeaway, oh, I think it got kicked off our little sheet here. I but, have it. I can read oh, it for you. I can read it for you. <laughs> I think I I mean my my main takeaway is that is it a nine is it a movie that still holds up nowadays compared to 1931? Absolutely. It's so good. Like I I can't stake enough about it. I I'm so surprised that I'd never given this movie a chance before. Yeah. Mine is uh you know just really that it was for 1931 this is a bold, courageous, witty and terrifying movie for the 30s. Um, and I think it's an utter classic. And I once again will say it. it it's so many films owe so much to Dracula. Um, Andrew, and, what did you rate it? Yeah. And here at Friday the 13th, we rate on a seven stripe scale, just in case it's your first time listening, the seven stripes of the rainbow. Uh, I gave this movie a hefty six. The only thing that knocked it down a little bit for me was the end. Awesome. Um, Andrew, it's going to drive you nuts, but I'm not rating this movie. And let me tell you why. Because it is timeless. It is, I, I can't even give it a rating. It's a classic that is just sort of, it's like ascended above all the rest. I don't, I don't know what else to say. I, I kind of feel that way about all these. So, you know, if, if I just want to say the same as you, I, get, I guess I give it a six. But really, I, I kind of can't even rate it. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, it's great. Um, I think the only, like I said, it could be like a perfect movie for me. I mean, I'll definitely watch it again. I think that just the abrupt ending, and maybe they they tie it up in some of these other, because uh, I know that there's like a billion Dracula Universal yeah. movies. Maybe they kind of remedy that, but I just don't know. I can only go off of what I've seen you with this what? specific movie. When we do mummies, we'll have to watch the Universal Mummy just for fun, even if we don't cover it, just to like see if it. If oh, it's on our it's on our list. We're covering it. We are doing that one. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, then there you go, folks. See, you're you're hearing us produce the show as we talk. <laughs> but I think that will do it for our 1931 discussion of Dracula. And we will take our break and come back with the very modern boys from County Hell. Some things are older than science, older than God. The Earth has its own secrets. And if you get close enough, you'll hear it. <laughs> Haven't you guys got anything better to do? Nope. No, we don't. This land belonged to Avertak. He drained people's blood and drink it like water. Like Dracula. Fuck Dracula. I'd love to know if there's actually anything under there. We'll find out soon enough.
I saw something weird. Who's fucked, Sav? Fuck this, I'm out! There's a vampire on my set! That we fucker tried to bite me! This isn't Dracula. People don't get turned from a fucking bite. They get turned by the stones from Abertak's grave. I hope you're not done with all of the blood, because we still got one more vampire movie to go, and that is Boys from County Hell. Maddie, talk to us a little bit about this wee old movie. Hard work never killed anyone until now. Welcome to Six Mile Hill, a sleepy Irish backwater whose only claim to fame is the somewhat dubious local legend that Bram Stoker once spent a night in the local pub. It's home to Eugene Moffat, a young man who fills most of his days drinking pints with his friends and pranking tourists who come to visit the gravesite of Abertock, remember him, a legendary Irish vampire some believe to inspired, uh, to have inspired Dracula. Strange events unfold when Eugene and the crew tear down a famous cairn believed to be the final resting place of Abertock, and they soon come under attack from a sinister force that has infected one of their workmates. As the night closes in, the boys must fight for survival while discovering the true horror of a myth that hits much closer to home than any of them realize. Boys from County Hell was directed by Chris Baugh, written also by Chris Baugh and Brendan Mullen, produced by two companies. This is important. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. Uh, Produced by Six Mile Hill Productions uh, and also Blinder Films. Distributed by Shudder. Thank you, Shudder. Eugene Moffat, played by Jack Rowan. God, he's so sexy. I love him so much. Francie Moffat, played by Nigel O'Neill. Claire McCann, played by Louisa Harland. George Bogue, played by John Lynch. William Bogue, played by Fra Fee. And Cathal, played by David Pierce. There are some other great uh, performances in there as well. Uh, This is not rated in the U.S. uh, because it's from Ireland and the United Kingdom. It is 88 minutes long. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, it was released on Shutter on April 22nd, 2021. It had its premiere in the theaters August 6th, 2021. Filmed in County Tyrone in the north of Ireland. Budget was $3 million and the worldwide gross was $102,000. Um, the worldwide gross was really small. And why is that? Because of COVID. It didn't really have a chance to do a whole lot. And this this thing just came out it really came out at just a really unfortunate time. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like a lot of other movies. It just didn't have the chance to do much. And especially in Ireland where the lockdown here was the strictest out of any country in Europe. Um, so it was it was a lot for them. Um, so that is uh, it for Boys from County Hell. Andrew, what'd you think? Yeah, so uh, this is my second time watching this. I think I watched it when it premiered on Shudder. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think you did too when it first came out. I did, out. yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I-, I think that this is a fun movie. Um, I think that uh, it's an interesting tale that I had not heard before about Bram Stoker and about, I, I honestly didn't even know Bram Stoker was Irish to be completely yeah, honest. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and the Abertac kind of thing. Um, I-, I think for me, um, maybe because I'm not from Ireland, or I have not been to Ireland, some of the humor or some of the tone of the <laughs> yeah, movie sure. just doesn't quite hit me right because there are moments of pure, like, 
fucking craziness where yeah. it's like uh, I'm talking mostly about the point where the guy who was watching the um he's watching the the place overnight where they're yeah, yeah. The construction and he gets impaled right. on a stick on a stick <laughs> and his heart is out there and you're like it's so over the top and so it's, crazy yeah. but then like 10 minutes later we're talking about this woman that is like catatone like catatone for her like dead son so yeah. it's just like the tone is all over the place and it's hard for me to understand if this is a comedy or if this is a serious movie. Yeah, and so yeah, like sure. that, that, that takes me out of it a little bit. Yeah. But overall I, I had really a lot of fun with it. I think that a lot of the gore is really good. Um, I love the part where they prank the Canadian. It's so funny to me that when the, the people come into the pub and they're like, <laughs> Oh, they're Canadian. Cause they love maple leaves. I, I was know. Like, <laughs> I was like, it's good to know that we're not the only country that has stereotypes. Oh <laughs> so. yeah. Trust me. Um, yeah, what, what what you're saying makes sense. Um, you know, and listen, I'm not the arbiter of all things Ireland, and I and I don't claim claim to be, but um, I, I I do think this is a very Irish movie, and the the humor in it is also very Irish, and this is the way that Irish folks generally sort of joke around with each other, right? It can I mean, be they punch super... each other in the face all the time. <laughs> well, you know, not not my friends. Wait, oh. Oh my God, Siri just went off. I don't know if you heard that, listeners, but that was really weird. I don't even, I don't know how that happened. Also, Andrew, I did not say Siri, did I? No. Not <laughs> once. Anyways, that's over. Um, God, I sometimes I just hate technology. Anyways, um, yeah, it is a very Irish movie. Um, and there there are the moments that you talked about. There's another great moment when um, when Eugene has to call the cop, right? He has to call the 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 PN, the, the PSNI guy. Yeah, and like, I have this and written like, down. <laughs> and like try to try to get him to like go to town to like go do it, but he doesn't want to say that it's a vampire. So <laughs> he tells him the guy's like, well, okay, what does a person look like? And he goes, well, he's tall and he has dark skin. <laughs> and then the guy is like, Eugene, we are a welcoming community. <laughs> yeah. I did like I everyone else's reaction hard. in that in that moment oh, in, my the, God. in the room. Yeah, so funny. Um, but also, too, um, the premiere was August 6th. I, I was at the premiere here in Dublin. Um, they, they, they did the premiere here first, and then the next night it premiered in Belfast. Um, when I saw it with other people in a movie theater, people were laughing their faces off at this thing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's, you know, like to your question of is it a comedy? Is it this? Is it that? I think it's a bit of a little bit of everything. You know what I mean? Which is also very Irish. Like it's 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 got the comedy in there. It's got the family stuff in there, which is a big part of, of just Irish culture in general. Um, there's a relationship between a dad and his son, which is huge here. Um, I mean, it's, it's really everywhere. crazy if I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it did. But you know, like, I mean, the dad, the dad's an asshole, you know, like that's, which is, trust me, a, a big thing here. Every date that I've been on, every single person hates their dad. Um, oh, no. <laughs> and they, and they love their mammy. Um, but you know, yeah, I, I think it's, um, it's a little bit of all of it. So it just to kind of like, you know, to, to the things that you were asking. Um, I really love that this movie was made in a very binational way. So, you know, the production company, like I said earlier, is not just Six Mile Hill. They're they're the main company behind it, but also Blinder Films. Six Mile is in Belfast. Blinder is in Dublin. Um, and they did that with other stuff, too. Like, they had actors from, from both countries. They had this from both countries. They had that from both countries. So it's nice to see a younger generation just bridging that divide between the North and the South. 
Sure. Um, and like, you know, for folks that haven't been here before, like, I, I can tell you that fucking divide is, is it's real. Like the shit that happens to people here still is very fucked up. Um, and so it's, it's just nice to see people working together and creating some really fun stuff. Um, yeah. You say something now. Um, I, I did like that. There was a little bit of a nod to like gremlins in this. I don't know if, you oh know yeah, that, totally. There's a moment where they're kind of sharing parent stories and, um, our main character has tragically lost his, his mom to suicide. Yeah. And then in a very random, just like in Gremlins, in a very random moment, our our main character, uh, I forget what her name is. Ma- Claire? Louis, uh, Claire, yeah, Claire. Claire. Um, she kind of has this off comment of like, yeah, my dad was like playing with this chainsaw that he didn't really know anything about. And then there was all this blood. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just like, oh my God. <laughs> which, is, which is also like, there's that humor again, right? Um and suicide is also something that that is that is taken very seriously in Ireland because it's it's taken a lot of people, um, and uh, the the way that it gets mentioned in this is I just I think that was really interesting and it, and it adds to sort of like just the the general environment that that Eugene and and Francie find themselves in, and you know it sort of does make you think about about their relationship you know and anything about a dad and, and his son is always that always hits me I know it hits you too. Um, so it was. It, it's an interesting relationship to watch play out on screen. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely felt that. I did think that some of the uh, more ancillary characters were pretty funny, uh, especially our character of SP, um, yeah. who has like the the way he dies. I'm just like, God damn it! But he basically gets slashed across like the stomach, um, yes. with, like the torso, and um, immediately goes and gets a beer out of the fridge and sits down on the couch to die. <laughs> and he basically says like, tell my old man he was right, dead in front of the telly with a yes. of beer in his hands. And I was like, that's kind of clever. He's so, um, and, he, and he's he's a really funny character throughout the movie. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of um, our friend and former character uh, uh, guest uh happy anderson yeah um, yeah absolutely. just like in the way that he acts and everything um I, there's I, i'm trying to think oh did you catch the uh dream warriors song no where and is the, it at, at the very end when he's in the bar kind of like it's kind of the uh is it playing in the bar it's playing in the bar. Oh, it's like, no it's oh that's that is you know i didn't notice that that is fantastic though uh the only i think like complaint and i i i, I will put complaint in air quotes because it's just like a, a personal thing yeah. is like we just didn't know enough about the vampire to understand how we kind of do this whole thing like because you know we try this through the heart thing that doesn't work we try the shooting we try decapitating that doesn't work we try uh sunlight that doesn't work so it doesn't fit in my brain of vampires if that yeah, makes any sure. sense no no so it kind of just like yeah. it, it was just like a minor annoyance like watching the movie i was like so uh, how, so it's just infinitely alive like into like and the fact that he does not destroy that barn at the end, I'm like, girl, girl, you can put more than just that pile of rocks on or top like, of that. Or like, why don't so. you just like fucking like pour concrete on it? <laughs> you right. know what I exactly. mean? Like, Instead maybe... of like loose rock. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I think like, you know, also like the, the dad gave you a concrete mixer at the beginning of the movie. Remember? Like, true, just, true. Just use it and then that will work. Um, I'm really glad that you brought up the the Dream Warrior song. I'm I'm looking at the the playlist right now on um on Spotify 
And and there is a, a great playlist that I follow. It's called Do the Vampire, a Boys from County Hell soundtrack mix. The soundtrack to the movie, I think, is really, really good. Um, it, like like from, from the first moment that like after they scare the Canadians in the field mm-hmm. and then like the Canadians go off and they pop a beer and they start drinking and then, you know, the, the title pops <laughs> up and then that first song starts playing from Horse Lips called Derek Doom. That song is so good. The way that like the guitars start in and it sort of like gives you like it, it, it helps you understand the theme that that's going to kind of go on from there, that it's going to be playful, that it's going to be kind of rocking. Um, and also, too, thinking about early in the film, even before that, uh, is, you know, when we see like the grandma and the grandpa character get like eaten by Abertok. At the that, very beginning. Yeah. yeah, that's a really intense scene. I think I think it's really well done. I also think it's funny, like when the grandpa is like, this is just a bunch of trash. And then she's like, I thought we'd go down for a wee pint at the Stoker. And he was and he's like, oh, just a bunch of, you know degradants in there or whatever yeah, hooligans um, yeah and you know it's it's cute and i i thought th- i thought that was really good and also too like when the blood drops from old grandma's nose into the coffee and then she looks over and you know fucking grandpa's eyes are bleeding all over him like that actually that that's pretty terrifying when that happens it's a good effect they do there is some good effects with the blood work in this movie um uh, the only thing that i like bugged me about that whole thing is like our main character should have been bleeding a long time ago yeah like, i agree with you, <laughs> you know what i mean yeah for uh, sure. that was just something like eventually they get to it but it's been told in the lore of the movie that yeah. once you're close to the vampire it draws the blood out exactly of you. yeah and so i just wanted more of that and it just didn't quite get there with our main characters it which is fine but... it wasn't universally applied yeah, exactly. Um, and maybe that's because he's related to it. I don't yeah, know. Sure. They kind of play with this idea that maybe he's related to, or his mother was related to the lineage of yeah, that vampire. Right. So, But they don't really go into it, so I can't really make any conjecture around it. Um, I, I did think that there was some, some good moments. I like when the dad, they kind of go with this plan of he's going to decapitate it, and he does. And it's like, okay, well, is that the end of the movie? And then it just kind of yeah. like comes back together and i was like jesus christ um now i want to talk about jack rowan for just a minute because i'm in love with jack rowan i just think he's he's the main guy or the yeah yeah Yeah, he's 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 eugene um have you seen born to kill have you watched that no Um, that that is one that i would highly suggest watching if you like jack rowan at all um he plays like a serial killer teenager in it basically I, watched, I can actually see that with the way he looks. <laughs> oh, totally. And like, I, I think, I believe I watched that on Shudder. I'm fairly sure. And I think it might still be on there. Uh, but that one is really good. And also, if you watch Peaky Blinders, Jack Rowan is also on Peaky Blinders. He is um, he is the son of the Gypsy King guy who like is a boxer. Um, huh. I, I, just, I think Jack Rowan is great. I think he did a great job with this too. I think, um, you know, doing a Northern Irish accent is not, easy and i think he does a pretty good job of it because he is from england um so it's the 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 northern irish accent is very sing-songy you know it gets a little bit higher than people down here in the south um i think he does a really nice job with that and i I don't know andrew i just think he's really sexy i like the shower scene 
<laughs> I, that shower scene is so ridiculous though that the dad just like com- they're so comfortable being naked around each other i know i was like, so weird. like he like he, he is he's legitimately naked doesn't even have a towel on i'm like it's your like i could never do that i just couldn't I know. do it you I know. know what i, I mean? was very uncomfortable in that situation seriously my god be naked around me not around your dad um I did think one of my favorite quotes was when they're thinking about where the vampire might be going. Um, our main character says, you know, if I was in the ground that long, I would just want to sit at home and drink too. And he's <laughs> yes, referring to like totally. going back to like where the main bloodletting area is um, in, in the kind of the shed slash barn of his property. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that that was really nice. The gore in this is really good. Actually, yeah, agreed. Um, agreed. especially when he tears off his dad's, foot at the oh, end my which god from the moment he breaks his leg the dad oh. breaks his leg he does so much on that leg yeah. that i would be doubled <laughs> over in like i would be passed out in so much pain like oh my god but I guess he's a tough old Irishman. So you know what? That's 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 how they build him here. You know what I mean? That's how they build him. I did think it was funny this fascination with Irish people moving to Australia. Um, that yeah. was kind of interesting. Like that's like the uh, the the place where all the kids go, I guess. Because at the very beginning of the movie, you find out that his friend who ends up getting turned. Oh, and I have something about that in a second. Um, that he's going to go to Australia and like leave his family and leave his uh, girlfriend or whatever. And then by the end of the movie, she's the one that is going to go to Australia yeah. at the end. Um, so I thought that was interesting. The one part that I actually understood better this time around was um the friend's death you mean william yeah so in the in the first time i watched this i didn't quite understand what happened like i know that he gets bored by something but i was like what was that was that like a wild warthog was that like it's it's a kind of a flashy moment like you can't really like see what's going on yeah and in this moment i did catch the one little line that if you miss it you don't really understand that part, but he does. Our main character does say like, Hey, is your dad hiring on the farm? I heard he needs his fences fixed yeah. because the bull keeps destroying it. And I, this time I heard it and I was like, Oh, okay. I, I get that better now. Yeah. And actually I'm, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because as much as I love this movie, you know, there are some problems with it and that is one of the problems, right? And it's not just that there are other little bits too, that you've, you've sort of hinted at here and there. The the film relies on a lot of detail that you really have to listen for, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And you know, like my ear is pretty used to to Irish voices now, so it's not hard for me to listen. I bet yours is. I I I'm just imagining here that you might have strained here and there to understand what they might have said, or you might have wanted to listen to it again, and not not just you, of course, but anyone who's not around irish people all the time you know what i mean yeah you definitely have to settle into it yeah and you gotta really listen and you gotta really pay attention and you know the story of abertok it's not quite as cut and dry as dracula right like i mean we know dracula like we've it's, we've, we've had it with us for so incredibly long abertok is a much more complicated story like you know like you said earlier like can he be killed what what do you actually have to do is what what is this um so it's it, I wish that they would have maybe spent a little more time with that complexity sure, and, and making it easier to understand for any audience, not just for an audience in Ireland. Yeah, especially if it's going to be distributed on something like Shutter. Yeah, you know what I mean? Precisely. I mean, they couldn't they couldn't have known that going into it, but of it's course. just one of those things. But And also, um, so, speaking of that too, cheers to Shudder for, for distributing this. Like, I, 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 yeah, I, 
look, whether you like the film or not, you know, listeners, I, I think everyone can agree that like, I mean, these are young filmmakers. They like went out there and did it. Like, how cool is that? You know? Yeah. And, and I and, will say that Shudder is doing a really good job of bringing in those foreign voices, yes. whether it's from like Korea or from like, yeah. Japan or from Ireland for that matter. Oh, did you watch, by the way, on Shudder, that new one from, from Thailand? It's like, uh, what is it? It's like the shaman or the, oh, I can't remember. The medium? The medium. Have you watched that yet? No, I haven't, but I want to. Oh, it is. That motherfucker is terrifying and fucking wild. It's wild. Yeah, give that one a watch for sure. So what was your main takeaway from Boys from County Hell? Uh, you know, th- since I first saw the film way back in April and it was a pandemic watch, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was so inventive. Um, I thought it was just really original. Um, a lots of fun to watch combines obscure folklore, Irish humor, genuinely touching family drama. Um, I think that Chris Baugh and his team did a really great job and created a winning piece. Yeah, and I said it was definitely an enjoyable and definitely an interesting twist on the vampire lore. Um, for me, the tonal shifts of the movie were a little bit startling, and it leaves me like wanting them to like kind of make a choice on what lane they wanted to be in, but sure. overall still really enjoyed the movie i gave this one i gave it a 4.5 i think it's uh it's definitely better than like a 3.5 it's better than totally. just general um but it doesn't quite leave me like wanting to watch it over and over again sure. so i gave it like an upper an upper echelon score somewhat as someone who has who has watched this over and over again i think i've seen this like seven times now i gave it a six um right. it's a lot of fun i just love it and that's it boys from county hell Awesome. All right. Well, we will take our final break and we will be right back with a brand new segment where I am going to test Maddie on his knowledge of vampires and drag queens. Perfect. Ooh, look at those eyes. Nosferatu. Oh, she's bleeding. Oh, no. My goodness. Somebody call a dentist. I hope she's wearing a dental dam. Coming down the runway, the best part was slowly letting out a giant mouthful of fake blood all over my body. And that's when I really saw Rue's eyebrow raise. Okay, folks, we are back to close the show. But first, we're going to play a little game. Andrew created this game. Um, It has a very, um, the name says it all, right? The name of the game is Drag Queen or Fictional Vampire. So that is, (laughs) that's what I'm going to be deciding here. Um, Andrew, tell us tell us how the game works. So I have a series of names only. Um, I have where they're from, but I will tell you after. Um, and these are either names of fictional vampires uh, or names of current drag queens. Uh, so Maddie, you will take your best guess at what these are. Love it. All right. Your first one is Michelle Duberry. Uh, Michelle, man, this is actually harder than I thought. Um, Michelle Dewberry is a vampire. Eh. Drag queen. Oh, okay. All right. Now, how about Barbada de Barbades? Okay. That's got to be a vampire. Drag queen. Really? I was hoping that like that like that would be like a Caribbean vampire or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 totally. All right. How about Jezebel Redfern? Okay, let's just try the other one now. Drag queen. 
this is a vampire. <laughs> oh, God, I'm awful at this game. This is a vampire from the series called Night World, which I, is a series of books. Okay. All right. How about Deathtopia Virtuoso? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Uh, that that has to be a drag queen. That is a vampire oh, from the come on. from the Monogatari series uh, of anime. <laughs> Death Deathtopia. Who who named that one? For God's sake. All right. How about the Lady Chablis? The lady the Lady Chablis is a drag queen. Correct. Ding ding yes. ding. From um, the Lady Chablis is from uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Oh, okay. Yep. How about Mado Lamont? Meadow Lamont. That sounds like a vampire. That is a drag queen. Oh my fucking god, Jesus. All right, how about Anna Van Schlotterstein? <laughs> what a name. Um oh god, I don't know. Vampire. That is from the children's Ugh. book The Little Vampire. So I got so I got two right basically. Yeah, so I have uh let's see I have two more. Okay. How about Raven Madison? That sounds like a drag queen to me. That is a vampire oh, from Jesus. the Vampire Kisses series. You know what? No, listen, people, if, if this is what I have to do to like save somebody's life, don't 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 put me in a game like this. Go ahead. Next one. All right. Our final one. Bimini Bon Boulash. Drag queen? That is a drag queen Ugh. from RuPaul's Drag Race uh, England. <sighs> so I got so that, three. Yeah, you didn't do so bad. I thought that this was such an interesting... Um, thing that i found that i was like when you think about vampire names and then you think about drag names they're very similar so i was like let's see how these do together <laughs> they're not all that fall apart anna oh. anna von schlatterstein well folks that brings us to the end of our show episode 65 some things to talk about before we let you go first off we are a proud member of the dread podcast network you can find us on this network with other great shows like the Mick Garris podcast, like the Dragula podcast with Belay Brothers, uh, like Kim and Katz. Uh, and there's so many good ones on here now. I'm actually wearing my Dread t-shirt right now. Um, I haven't so gotten mine yet. <laughs> it's going to come in. So, although I can't believe that I got mine before you. <laughs> That's hilarious to me. Um, yeah. So check out all the podcasts on Dread Podcast Network. Also, you can call the Fry Gay Hotline uh, at uh, 872-208-3119. Call us, leave us a message about whatever you want, and in the next few episodes, we will play some of the best ones. Yeah, so if you want to support Friday the 13th, obviously we do this out of the bottom of our hearts, but hey, a little money helps too. Yeah. You can become a patron on Patreon and buy merch at Friday13.com slash support, or you can search for us on Patreon. Um, if you want to leave us a tip, we are on PayPal at Friday13. That's right. Um, uh, we have some interesting things to announce. Yeah. Uh, some fun things to announce. We actually won an award. Oh, thank uh, God. Believe it or not, we won the 2021 LGBTQ Culture Award from DiscoverPod. Um, you can find DiscoverPod at discoverpod.com. Uh, and it was pretty cool. I mean, it was, it, it was lovely because, I mean, if, you know, it, it was people voting for it, right? And so it wasn't just, you know, a panel of people picking, um, which means that a lot of you voted for us, a lot of our friends voted for us who know the show. Um, that really meant a lot that people um, took the time to go and vote for us. Um, and we were up against a lot of really good podcasts. So 
thank you to everyone that voted. It really means a lot to us. Yeah, it just shows the power of our audience, and that means you guys, so we really, uh, really appreciate it. Um, we just premiered our brand new video series. If you didn't see, I, I mean, I've probably blasted it on, on social media enough that you've probably seen it at this point, but um, if you'd like to watch that, it's our little cartoon series entitled Suga Deke Meets the Bushwhacker Killer, <laughs> and it is all... Our previous openings about Suka Deke, our fraternal order, and our our fictional killer, the Bushwhacker killer that came out of our Manscaped commercial. Um, it just goes to show like um, how much uh, of a little universe we have here, which is very strange. Yeah. I never thought we would do something like this when we started this but we have our little cast of characters and i think that the artist that we worked with on um fiverr where we found them uh is really great if anyone needs animation help you know let us know and i can certainly give you their information um but they turned out so good i was so happy with them and i was so happy with our artists that helped us so yeah, go ahead and you can watch those on uh, either on YouTube if you search for Friday the 13th or if you want to go directly to our website at Friday13.com slash video, you can watch those there. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun and um, it's just fun. It really is. Seeing these things come to life and seeing us in animated form is just ridiculous and hilarious. So if you haven't had a chance to watch them yet, go check them out. And if you want to become a patron, you can go to Patreon. We already mentioned that, actually. Um, so, <laughs> But do it again. This, Why not? <laughs> this is the most important part right here, right now. You need to go on to your little listening device. Go right now. Go ahead. You can. You know, I'll give you a second to Just touch the button. Touch it. And you go into podcasts and go into Apple Podcasts. And go ahead and hit that five-star review. Smash, really appreciate smash it. those five stars, smash. as I should say. <laughs> Uh, we yeah we just really appreciate it. Um, it would be awesome if we could get to 350 by the time by the end of the year. I mean we'll see. Yeah, that it's would be really, close. really cool. But if you could help us out, that would be really awesome. It costs nothing to you, only a touch of a button. And if you want to leave some remarks, we're happy to take up for that too. too. Yeah. Bring them home, baby. <laughs> but as always, at the end of every episode, we encourage you to get slayed. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.